1: Hello, I'm Justine willis toms Today I'm hosting Dr. Carla Marie Manley. She's the author of Joy from Fear, Create the Life of Your Dreams by Making Fear Your Friend. And she is also a licensed psychotherapist. I welcome you to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you for having me, Justine. It's a privilege and a joy. It's my privilege and honor. I'd like to start by reminding people about fear as a primal response to danger. But your psychotherapy work works with the kinds of fears that have become a negative force in our lives, affecting our health, our well-being, our relationships. So let's talk about that destructive fear. What is it and how does it affect our lives? The way I like to
2: see destructive fear is that it's that voice that works against our being our best selves. And so destructive fear, and it's often very pernicious and dark, and it will be that voice that will tell you what you cannot do, what you should not be, what you should do. It's love's shoulds. It's very judgmental and very critical, critical of the self and critical of others. And so destructive fear is... Primal fear, let's say, gone on
1: overdrive because of (laughs) on steroids. On
2: steroids, because of the busy mind, the mind takes hurts and owies from the past and ruminates on them and chews on them and gets us to a point where we no longer believe in ourselves or believe in others. So again, destructive fear works to be very destructive in our lives, and we often don't realize that that is what is at the root of our problems.
1: So it's just going on, and we think that we have to act this way because it's going to keep us safe, but it's actually hampering. It even hampers our health, I think. Absolutely. So one of the common ways
2: that destructive fear works is to keep us on a treadmill, a treadmill of life, very similar to a treadmill in a gym, but one that we didn't go on intentionally and one that we can't press the stop button on, right? Because we're just going going going. And so what ends up happening, the body is programmed in our, you know, more ancient days, we had this fight or flight response that would come up only when we saw a tiger or a bear or, you know, somebody who was not of our tribe. So we would freeze, flee, Fight or appease. Those are actually the responses. And then what would happen is we would handle the danger and then we would be able to calm down and go about our days or the week ahead until another big threat came up. So of course, when this fight or flight response comes up, body is filled with adrenaline and cortisol and these stress hormones give us the ability to run and take care of what's bad. Uh Uh-oh. In present day life, we don't have lions and tigers and bears. We have chronic stress, we have burnout from work, we have all of these, we have, you know, traumas, PTSD, all of these things that are causing us to live lives filled with anxiety, depression, trauma, chronic stress. So the body is constantly being flooded with these stress hormones so very much contribute to health problems, everything from heart disease and sleeplessness, and of course sleeplessness also has its own host of associated health problems. So we have this bevy of you know health issues that come and we do not realize that destructive fear is at the root of many of them.
1: In your book, you give some wonderful examples of people, case studies, let's say. Of course, you've disguised them in the book. But I'm going to talk about one and how you can help us to see this one because I just thought this guy was just, he really had it made. I think you used the name Thomas for Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. He was very self-contained and he wanted to be more effective in his business. And he was extremely armored. Oh, yes. I (laughs) love, I just love the way you worked with him. And you go into the detail of working with this guy. He knew it all, he knew how you were manipulating him. And so, help us to know about Thomas and working with Thomas.
2: Thomas is a really good example of many of the highly successful people that I've worked with who had significant childhood trauma. An acknowledged childhood trauma that was covered over by this beautiful veneer. And so here's the sad part about people, men and women, who build up these really important defenses. They build them up as children um, as a way to survive, but then they grow and they harden and they thicken throughout life. And so what ends up happening is people like Thomas build these lovely castles with these moats and these alligators in the moats and these 20-foot walls, and they look like they're doing great. They may have relationships or serial relationships, but they don't really let anybody close. I mean, that that moat and those walls are keeping everyone out of their private, personal hell. A hell that cannot be filled with a Maserati, (laughs) five boats, all the travel in the world, all of the pretty toys and the pretty boys and the pretty women, and it just can't fill the hole in the soul that was caused by childhood trauma or life trauma. And so breaking through that veneer with love and patience and the acceptance that many such people never knew as children and watching them learn to trust me and be present with me and being willing to take down a bit of the armor and then put it back up (laughs) and then, you know, one step forward, a little tiny baby step back and just watching that as healing, that that is what I am a healer. And that being able to earn somebody's trust that way, to where you watch them act and treat you as though you're, you know, whatever you are, right, and try and outsmart you and out- outsmart
1: this. you. I oh, think that outsmart! He was uh, he was he was definitely <laughs> out to outsmart you.
2: I think of some of the people I've worked with where they'll pull out their computer programming skills or their skills in this area and their skills, and I am just nonplussed. It's yeah. not a problem, yeah.
1: right? What I thought was so interesting about him when he did finally start to break through Mm -hmm. and start to let you in Mm -hmm. and start to acknowledge, yeah, that was pretty traumatic as a child or whatever it was. And what you helped him to see is that life is not black and white that what he was missing was all this gray in between. And like, yeah, his parents, he wanted to hold them on a pedestal and he was not going to allow you to do anything else. But... It was okay to say no, they they had their flaws. That doesn't mean that they're all bad. Absolutely, because it is such a common
2: theme. It's one of the biggest things that destroys people and destroys relationships is this polarization of the right and the wrong, the good and the bad. So as you're talking about it being, you know, mom and dad are all good or mom and dad are all bad. And it's not about blaming mom and dad or Putting them on a pedestal, and that's something. God, I work with a lot of getting parents off of pedestals, uh, for even for young adults who are, you know, you know, really working on their stuff, because it's about seeing them as human beings who made mistakes, and then leaving it at that. And then here's the self work: is what do you want to do differently? That's it. Is take what you love that your parents did, if there is anything, make more of it in your life. Breathe into it, grow it, expand it. Take what your parents did that you didn't like, calling you names, brutalizing you, ignoring you, and don't do it. You don't like that your dad was a bully and aggressive and hateful? Well, why are you kicking your girlfriend in the ribs kind of thing? Not literally, but, you know, speaking that way. So it becomes that dance of learning that we can embrace everything that our parents did that they did well, and we can consciously, and this is the important part, become conscious of how we were harmed and choose. Choose to do it differently. And we will have relapses because we're human. On our journey to being better people, we will have relapses no matter how good we become, right? Because if we're tired... We're stressed, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are triggers for many of us. And if we get to one of those places, then instead of going over the edge and being hateful or doing something horrible or acting out and cheating or taking a drink or whatever it is, that we become aware, oh, I'm anxious right now or I'm lonely right now. I need a time out. I need to walk. And that's where as we start making those conscious shifts, as it was with Thomas in the book, to allow... I believe that inside every person is a beautiful soul just waiting to appear. There may be a few extreme exceptions. And I believe that every person who comes into my office, even if they're sent by a husband or a wife, they, the ones who are with me, end up finding a way to love themselves, mm-hmm. a way to like themselves like, first. Yeah. And then after learning to like themselves, and some of them would never admit, if you had asked Thomas, do you like yourself? Oh, totally. You know, yeah, right. Absolutely. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I went to this school and that school. Okay. Yeah, great. That's wonderful. But um, really, do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? Do you treat yourself? Not to financial things, not to drugs or alcohol or women, but do you treat yourself well? Do you talk kindly to yourself? Do you talk kindly to loved ones? And so that's the journey and breaking through all of that armor to create vulnerability. And first it's just vulnerability in the therapy room. And then as it was in Thomas's case, he eventually was able to be vulnerable enough that a woman came into his life and she was just the right woman because she wouldn't take his meanness. And so he had to keep working, right? Keep working and keep shifting in order to be good enough soul to allow her to partner I with him. I think one of
1: the things that Thomas did, he was such a workaholic and yes. so into business, but through this whole session, probably took months and months and months, <laughs> but he started to do volunteer work Yes, And then he got so much good feedback from that. He felt good about himself as he was doing that. And that's when that woman came into his life. And that is a piece It's
2: really interesting. I'm glad you picked up on that. That is the volunteer work. I am such an advocate of it. I do plenty myself, right? And just this morning I was volunteering at a drug and alcohol rehab center, which I do every Tuesday morning. And the women are thanking me at the end as we go around. And I always tell them, and it's my sacred truth, you give to me by allowing me to be here to be part of your journey and be part of your process. And it is true. There is, I sometimes feel like I get more more from being there. And so it's something, particularly for my clients that are very, um, egocentric or my clients who are very ostracized I will routinely say let's look for volunteer work let's look for one I get all sorts of things I'm too busy I'm too this I'm too that I say I'm just holding it out as a suggestion and there's a man I work with right now who started very very lonely and has lots of other good things going for him but inside much like a Thomas Outside looks great. Inside is very lonely and scared. He started volunteering at a place that has a lot to do with animals. He loves it. He loves it. His duties are very small. Uh And he, in some ways, laughs at how minor his duties are. But he gets, when he talks about it, it's exactly what he needed. You you see him light up. Oh, he lights up. He lights up, plus he's talking to a woman there. Threads of Thomas, he's actually talking to a woman Mm -hmm. there. So who knows what's not the intention of it, but the intention is when we do good for others, we feel good about ourselves. Because as I often say, there's no thought we can have, be it good or not so good, that is not coming from us. So if we're choosing to think kind and good thoughts, those are coming from us, going out into the world and coming back. If we choose to think harsh, negative, and angry thoughts, guess what? Those came from the heart, from the self, and are going out, and ultimately come back to rest. So why not choose the happy ones? Why not choose to do good and to be positive? And I really think that that was the turning point, one of the many turning points for Thomas, when he saw that he was not his career, he was not his money, he was not his looks, he was not his education, that he was his heart and soul and that it was his heart and soul that started flourishing when he went out and saw that his athletic abilities could help young men. And that indeed, as the universe often does, it actually brought him a woman who was of the right caliber for him. And
1: he was and a, had a match. Uh, yes, match and for him. a
2: match and also a teacher. I believe uh-huh. that she was probably a teacher for him as far as somebody who was strong enough. So I really think that volunteering is not the only thing you know, in the journey, but it is a key piece of it, I believe.
1: Oh, how beautiful. There's so much more we could talk about, but I thank you so much for sharing this part of the work that you do. Thank you so much for being with us It's today. a joy. Thank yes. you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. I've been speaking with Dr. Carla Marie Manley. She's a psychotherapist. Her therapy work is in Sonoma County which is just north of San Francisco in the San Francisco Bay Area. And the book that we've been talking about is Joy from Fear, Create the Life of Your Dreams by Making Fear Your Friend. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, drcarlamanley.com. And she spells that D-R, Dr. Carla, C-A-R-L-A, Manley, MAE nly.com, drcarlamanley.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine willis Toms. Thank you so much for joining us today on the New Dimensions Cafe. Please do join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe.